Welcome to Booz Allen Hamilton's Unstoppable Together podcast, a series of stories that unite us and empower each of us to change the world. I'm Jenny Brooks with Booz Allen Hamilton, and I'm passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Please join me in conversation with a diverse group of thought leaders to explore what makes them and all of us unstoppable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstoppable Together podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Brooks, and today I'm excited to be joined by Yanira Arias, member of Buzan's Latin American Network Board. Welcome to the podcast, Yanira. Thank you for having me. It's great to speak with you today. You've shared that you're an immigrant to the United States. Can you start by sharing with us your immigration story? Sure. Well, my family and I arrived in 1987 as my parents fled the civil war in El Salvador. We were seeking asylum. My mother had migrated to the United States first and had arrived in Los Angeles to meet with other family members who had already made the voyage here. We, meaning my sister and I, came after with my father. I remember seeing the large palm trees when we first arrived in Los Angeles and the city lights, and it was a very surreal experience for me. When I arrived in LA, it was very different um, as I got used to going to uh, the schools here and the cultural changes. How Um, old were you, if you don't mind? Seven years old when I arrived. We had actually lived in Mexico for a period of of a year before reuniting with my mother. We actually lived in very, very poor conditions then. And once we arrived in LA, you know, my first (laughs) or the memories that I have are more of school and of having to go out into the blacktop and doing our earthquake drills because, you know, in LA, we lived close to a MacArthur Park. And I just remember being in a building where it was, you know, it was a very old building. And whenever there was an earthquake, we would have to go out the fire escape. And my father would have to like grab me in the middle of the night and kind of run down the fire escape. So most of my memories are of, of that. Until then, my dad, you know, had a hard time finding work. So he ended up coming to Virginia because another family member mentioned that, you know, they would be able to help him find work here. So when my father left, we kind of followed about a year later. So we arrived in Virginia in around 1988 uh, with my mother. However, when we arrived, my father felt ill. He had a condition where one of his kidneys was the size of a small cookie. And because of it, his other kidney had gone into kidney failure. So Unfortunately, when we arrived, my mother soon became sort of a single mom because my dad was in and out of hospitals for a very long time. He would go into dialysis uh, weekly. And I, you know, ended up having to sort of have issues in my schooling because I was the one that was going into the hospitals to help with the translation and talk to doctors. I'm very grateful, though, because I have to say that during the time period of my elementary and middle school years, I had, you know, some teachers and some counselors that were very helpful and were supportive. I remember having a mentor in middle school who really, you know, took me under her wing and helped me get through my classes, you know, while my father was going through all this transition. Eventually, my dad got a transplant in about 1992, and things got better. But I think that for me, coming to the United States has always been a situation where I thank God that he's always brought the right people into my life at the right times. Because had it not been for some of those individuals that kind of took 
the time to get to know me, get to know my family, help us out. I don't think we would have gotten through some, a lot of the things that we went through. For us, church was a very big part of our life, our local community and nonprofit groups that sort of supported the areas that we lived in at that time because we were in the Falls Church area. It was very challenging for for us. When we first arrived, my mother did her best in, in maintaining the home and, and being financially responsible for us when my father had moments of whether, you know, he could work or not work. And, you know, thankfully, my dad worked for Marriott at that time. He was a cook at the hot shop, but that's where he worked. And so his employer, you know, was very supportive of him. So I have to say that in that we were always thankful also, because he definitely went through a, a lot of challenges when we first got here. So stepping back to an extraordinary story. Thank you for sharing. Stepping back for a minute. What is the conversation like when you're five or six at home and your parents are speaking with you about the journey that you're going to leave to try and go to the United States? Do you remember that conversation? You would have been fairly young. My dad, so I was about six, right? Six, five, five Mm -hmm. and a half going on six. Uh, when we left with my dad from Mexico, there was no conversation. It was more of we're leaving and, you know, we're with my dad. Your mother had gone ahead first and my she'd mom. been gone for Over a year. A year. Mm-hmm. And so you'd been without your mom for a year. For a year. Do you remember what that was like? It was hard because my dad worked. He worked all day. Basically, we lived in what was a uh, hospital that was being constructed. So we didn't really have a home. We actually just lived in the construction site. That was what was given to my dad for us to stay in. My dad was what they called, you know, sort of what we call security guard, but he was the watchman. That's what they call it, you know. And mm-hmm. so he would be responsible for, you know, maintaining, ensuring that nobody came into the property and took things that they weren't supposed to, things like that. And then he was in charge of making sure that, you know, when the construction work- workers would come, and work during the day, you know, he was overseeing that as well. So technically my sister and I were in just a room that was already concrete room (laughs) that was going to eventually be one of the patient areas. We didn't really have a bed or anything. Actually, my uncle, uh, who also was with us at that time, made a bed for us from just wooden sticks and believe it or not, rubber from rubber tires. Was, I don't know how to explain it, but um, yeah, so so our bed was made out of these wooden, you know, wooden planks, wooden sticks, however you want to call it. And he just basically stretched the rubber out to sort of crisscross. And that was that was our bed. And then we had a mosquito mosquito net over our bed. And so, you know, that, you know, for us was very fancy back in the day. And um, I think we spent, I mean, my sister and I spent our time, you know, playing with the dog that we had, you know, that we had there. It was just a stray dog that happened to be there and cats, you know, that would come in from time to time. I did go to school in Mexico. I went to kindergarten and that was hard because we had no means. So a lot of the time I went without meals. Um, I would get meals when I would get home. My, my father tried very hard, you know, to do his best with us as well. You know, I, like I tell my children now, I said, I, I know they complain about food sometimes. And I'm like, at least you're not eating tortilla with, you know, salt and sugar. I said, so just be happy <laughs> for what's on your table. So I try to teach them, you know, that they need to be a little bit more grateful with what they have compared to what I had. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't definitely wasn't easy. 
Uh, it was an easy transition to come. It was an easy transition not to be without my mother. Um, I think for us, it was it's still a little challenging to have a close connection because of that. At least for me, I'm definitely much closer to my father than I am to my mother uh, from time to time. But it, it does. It impacts your relationship with your parents, you know, as much as you would want it to. It does. Mm-hmm. And you know, now I look back at it, you know, I know they made sacrifices, you know, they were young themselves, they weren't older than 1920, <laughs> you know, when all this was transitioning. So they, they didn't know any better. And they did their best to what they thought they needed to do. Fleeing the war for my dad was more because of family members that had been killed, and they were afraid for their lives. So Back in the day, it was like, what do we do? I was already here and my sister was on her way. And so they made that journey, that decision that, you know, they needed to find a way to make sure that, you know, we had a better life. Mm -hmm. And so you arrive in Los Angeles and your memories there, of course, of the palm trees and school memories, the asphalt and games. And then you make the journey to Virginia and you discuss Still at a young age, you're now traversing a hospital environment to translate with medical care, healthcare providers for your father's care, which is also just extraordinary to me because at such a young age, really, that's quite significant responsibility. How did those experiences then shape sort of your view of? equity and access and other, you know, components of your career or your personal life as an adult in this in the United States? I'm going to be very honest. I wasn't thinking about equity. What I was thinking about is I started work. I started working at a very young age. I was about 15, 16. But it was more of... What was your first job, if I can ask you? What was your... <laughs> I worked at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I worked at Arby's. I, I worked at Bally's Total Fitness as a you know babysitter for the customers when they would come in. But my my, my real first job was at Arby's because that's where my mother worked. And mm-hmm. so my mother had me come in. You, well, actually, at first she got a job at Wendy's, and me and my sister would go with them on the weekends because they you know they didn't have anyone to care for us. So we would just sit there, you know, in the lobby mm-hmm. and wait for her to get out of work, and we would help her clean tables. You know, that was kind of our Mm -hmm. weekend uh, to do. And then my mom basically worked at Arby's. And so as I got older, you know, she helped me get a job with her where she was working. And I remember the business owner, he was really nice, really nice man. And, you know, he actually worked most of my um, beginning of my high school, around my high school years, I think it was that I started there. I was about 16 And it was just a weekend, you know, it was just so I could get money to buy my own clothes for a very long time. Most of our support that we received, as I said, came from the church. So, so it wasn't like, you know, we had a chance to, let's say, go shopping. You know what I mean? Like we really, we really depended a lot on these nonprofit, the area food banks that would help us get through some of those challenging times. So for me, it was more of being able to help and being able to be independent to help myself. And be able to, you know, move into a position of financial stability for myself, not for anyone else. So I didn't really understand the term of equity. I worked with a school, Carlos Rosario International Public Charter School. They provide access to English learning to the immigrant community in the Washington, D.C. area. 
Uh, they also provide a lot of culinary and job skills trainings. And I really enjoyed working there. I enjoyed giving back to my community in that way. I also worked for a Latina style magazine very early in my career where I learned about the importance of sort of being an entrepreneur. After that, I worked for a public relations firm that basically about social change, about making communities better and basically being able to discuss human rights and civil rights and engaging in the arts. So I learned a lot there. I did a lot of media relations, public relations work and marketing during that time. A lot of the experience I have also comes from doing events and activities with the Hispanic community, a lot of the national Latino organizations uh, that are local to the Washington, D.C. area, provide a lot of different resources and information to the Latino community that not everybody knows about. And I think right now for me, in terms of building equity, is about being able to tap into those resources and letting the community know, hey, you know, these resources are here and we are all here to help encourage you to move forward, to be successful and have a better life for yourself and for your children. So for me, equity right now is more about the gratitude that I have to those people that paved the way to let us get into positions of leadership that encouraged me to you know, take that next step in my career and, and, and push forward. I've been able to you know, purchase my, my home, my first home, a few years back. Congratulations. So a great achievement for me. Thank you. Because I always thought, you know, I wanted to be able to say my kids have a place of their own. You know, growing up, we had to, to share. Family didn't have the means. You know, we would all be in the one little one bedroom apartment, one bed. You know, and we would share. I mean, that's how we, we what we had to do. But I tell the girls all the time and my son, you know, I'm like, you guys have your own rooms. You know, you don't have to share. You know, so for me, that's that's important. You know, that's that's building equity. Now I have something that I can say, you know, can go to them. You know, my goal is to always say, I always say, I want to, I want to give, you know, I want to give back to everyone. I'm not trying to, to be a burden on anyone. I'm always trying to find a way to help others, even if it's in the small things, volunteering, being able to give back to those community organizations that gave back to me. And that's, you know, that's sort of my goal. So that's how I see equity now. Thank you for sharing, Yanira. And as I'm thinking about the lessons that you're instilling in your children, what advice would you have for those listening in terms of how to work across cultural differences? What has worked for you along this very significant journey that you've been on? I think that for me, it's about kindness. And showing kindness to others, no matter their background, cultural background. There's a song that I like from Mendisa that's called We All Bleed the Same. At the end of the day, we're all human. You know, we all have different struggles. Everybody has different backgrounds, different uh, backgrounds on how they were raised, you know, how their faith. Just in general, we, we don't all have that same upbringing, but we're all human and we all here in this world together. So we have to kind of learn to kind of love on one another a little bit more and not be so angry or hurt uh, for things that sometimes we can't control. And it's hard to do that. You know, I've, I've you know, like I said, I've, I've gone through two areas of my life that were very painful due to my, you know, to my choices and to 
the fact that I, you know, was hopeful in certain things, but I was let down. And I've learned that a lot of the time we put so much uh, energy, right, into trying to get people to accept us and trying to get people to be okay with who we are, but we can't change them. You know, we can't change those individuals. We kind of have to accept who we are and love ourselves and as such love them because at the end of the day, they've gone through their own sets of struggles and challenges that we don't know about. You're very active in the community. You're involved in Booz Allen's Latin American Network and the national organization, the League of United Latin American Citizens and others, as you shared. What inspired you to get more involved with those groups? Uh, Well, I joined the firm about three years ago, and I wanted to be able to give back to my community. And I learned that we had the Latin American Network here and they were seeking board members. So I was referred to them. And I decided that, yeah, I wanted to be able to participate and engage and just kind of give back to my community. A lot of the time, you know, our community isn't aware of things that are happening. I enjoy sharing and being able to participate in activities and events. It's something that I've done in my past, you know, event planning. I figured this would be a great way for me to interact and get to know other people in the firm and also be able to kind of give back. I joined the Virginia League of United Latin American Citizens Council for 613 this year, mainly for that reason. You know, with COVID hitting and everybody kind of being shut in, I just, I wanted to get out there and get to know people. The election process lately has also been very important. And so I finally just decided it's time for me to kind of engage and get people and get the young adults in our community involved. And a lot of our youth is still, you know, learning and growing and wanting to learn more about the opportunities out there. And like I said, in the D.C. metro area, there are plenty. These national Latino organizations provide opportunities for career developments, scholarships, a lot for our, our Latino community. And so I just wanted to give back. This year, the Virginia League of United American Citizens is holding its first um, convention out in Richmond in September. They are going to be talking about education and the state of education, state of immigration, and the state of health in the Latino community. So I engage, you know, to be able to be able to provide that information and to also connect with some of our local community members through our church groups and just through the work that I do now to be able to do that. So well said. We could probably end the podcast right there, Yanira. But at the end of every podcast, we still leave a little open space for our guests to share their final thoughts. What else would you leave with our audience today? Well, I think for me, I'm just thankful, you know, of of the place that I'm in in my life right now. Like I said, I'm grateful to all those individuals that paved the way for me to be able to be here. I'm grateful to all the individuals that I work with today. They're very smart, knowledgeable people, and I learn from them every day. Uh, I'm grateful to all of our veterans and all of our military personnel that go out there every day and try to strive um, so that we can all have, you know, a wonderful place to live. And I think that for me, I'm just, I'm just grateful. I try to live my, my life in a way where I'm looking at the positive. It's hard. It's not easy. I can't tell you it's easy because it's not. There have been moments when I've really had a hard time even pushing myself. But because of my family, because of the close relationships that I have with coworkers and the people that God brings into my life, I've been able to be successful. I think that for me, I enjoy being of support to my team and to the people that I work with every day. 
because I know they're working out there hard for us to be able to have a very successful life, a, a life of freedom. And I am grateful to them every, every, every day. So anything that I can do on my end that encourages them or at least lifts them up a little bit in their day is something that I'm grateful for. Thank you, Yanira. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Visit careers.boozallen.com to learn how you can be unstoppable with Booz Allen. Be the future. Work with us. The world can't wait.